Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Incredible play. 35-yard touchdown. Alan Lazard, six-foot-five frame, needing every bit of it. Oh, Hartman's still going. Inside the 10, and he is in for the touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinnen Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we've been talking a little bit about the guy that wears number 12 for the Green Bay Packers, a gentleman named Aaron Rodgers. And so I want to get the perspective of somebody who covers the Packers, somebody who's been a longtime diehard and sort of get the vibe of what's going on in Green Bay with the fan base and all of that. And so to talk about Aaron Rodgers and even a little bit of Alan Lazard, our old friend, who hosts the Packernet podcast, Mr. Ryan Schlipp. Ryan, thank you so much for coming back on. Been looking forward to having this conversation for a while. A lot going on between the Jets and Packers right now. Oh, it's crazy out there. It's it's going nuts. And I'm kind of excited to hear uh, from your perspective as well, because I haven't really delved in. But yeah, it's it's wild and crazy, and I'm, I'm kind of just ready for a resolution. So I want to talk about the first part of this. Let's go back to what happened with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers when Jordan Love was picked in the first round after the Packers had just lost in the NFC Championship game to the 49ers. And the thought was, why aren't the Packers using that pick to draft somebody to help Rodgers and push them over the top into the Super Bowl so he can make another run? And then, of course, we know what happened after that. Rodgers clearly was pissed off, won two straight MVPs and all of that. Take me back through that whole scenario and how it unfolded, because I think that plays into this in a major way, because in that Pat McAfee interview, Ryan, you heard Rogers specifically discuss how much that annoyed him and how much he loved Ted Thompson, as opposed to feeling like Brian Gutenkunst and Mark Murphy did not have his back here. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to put the caveat in, obviously, that Packer fans are, like most fan bases, split on just about every issue. I happen to fall in the probably minority of fans that that would agree with the Jordan Love pick and not agree with the fact that if we had gotten, um, they would say T. Higgins, but let's be honest, everybody actually wanted Denzel Mims. They just want to sound smarter. 
um, <laughs> that we that that would have got us over the hump and and, and gotten us a, a Super Bowl win. Um, just starting with that to begin with, uh, because I've ranted about this, I can't tell you how many times because I'm so sick of hearing about it. But the, the the reality is that that I don't believe Brian Gutekunst did a terrible job building a good roster. We saw that by the fact that they won 13 games three years in a row, right? They got a good coach. They got a real good roster. The problem was this really good team went to zero when they got to the playoffs, right? This really good quarterback didn't play very well. This really good wide receiver in Devontae didn't play very well. The often, so the issue for me isn't let's add one more number two wide receiver because that's going to massively change everything. It's why isn't our team playing up to par when it matters most. We saw it 2019, 2020, 2021. We even saw it this past year when they were picking up steam, go up against the Lions, and then they just play like garbage. So the larger issue, in my opinion, is from the coaching staff to the players, what is going on with their motivation? Why don't they show up? Why is the energy level low in big games? And and I'm not going to put it on the GM, maybe one more wide receiver, maybe one more. that. No, you guys need to learn how to freaking get your stuff together and make this thing work. I was a little surprised, by the way, you mentioned the Pat McAfee thing, that he flat out came out and said he won back-to-back MVPs because of Jordan Love. Because a lot of people, and as Packer fans have been saying that, and I'm like, I don't know, you can't really draw a direct line. But for him to come out and just basically say um, that that's essentially what it was that motivated him to do it, um, that was pretty shocking to me. And and to be honest, I'm... I'm I hate to sound like a, 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 a spoiled Packer fan as we get labeled a lot, but I'm kind of just getting tired of that. <laughs> like, if you're a good <laughs> football player, can you just be a good football player? Do you always have to have a chip on your shoulder? You know, he started off real good for the Packers because he hated the 49ers, and he had a chip on his shoulder against McCarthy because McCarthy passed him. And then he was, his, his play was tapering off, and he wasn't very good anymore, so he drafted a quarterback, and then he's the MVP again. And then he says he wants to retire until the Packers start talking trash about him. And now he wants to play and go play for the Jets and go show the world that he's still great. Like, dude, go ahead. Go over there. Go be like, show everybody that you're, you know, whatever it is you need to prove to the world, go do it. I'm just, I'm kind of over it, to be completely honest with you. (laughs) Ryan, before we get into all that's going on right now, I want to ask you about this past season. We know that Aaron Rodgers was playing with that thumb injury, and we know that he had new players in the offense, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs most notably. These are guys that were not only rookies, but they were raw. They were projects. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew they were going to take some time to develop. So you put that together with the thumb injury and the fact that Rodgers, and this is his own fault, wasn't in on all of these offseason programs. And so You would think with these new players, he would want to do that because it would help build the early chemistry. How much of the fact that we saw Rodgers not play as well as he normally does this past year, do you think is because of the injury, because of the new players, because of the short time together with them before the season started? And how much of this do you think could be the beginning of an actual decline? Because I think a big part of this for Jets fans is If you believe that Aaron Rodgers is still the guy from two years ago, then maybe you think he's the guy that can bring the Jets into the discussion with the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, the upper echelon of the AFC. But if you think that Aaron Rodgers is closer to the guy that we saw last year, maybe borderline top tier quarterback, but not where he was, which was right at the very top, maybe now instead of the best or second best quarterback, he's like the eighth or ninth best. What do you think is the deal there? Is it that it was the injury and the rookies and all of that? Or are we starting to see a declining Aaron Rodgers? 
Well, that's sort of the question, right? The, the, the hard part about it is there were so many variables. You know, we saw the Packers go from, you know, the top of the NFC down to a pretty low point. And there's so many different things that change, it's hard to isolate how much of each thing contributed to what, right? Is it just his thumb injury? Or was it the rookies? Or was it Devontae leaving? Or was it losing your offensive coordinator? There's there's so many pieces. Um, I'm, I'm sure each one contributes a little bit to, to each. You know, the thumb injury, when you have a broken thumb on your throwing hand, I'm sure it does contribute a little bit. Um, I think the, the, the two biggest things, if I'm a Jets fan, that – one is exciting and one is not. Is I first of all, I wouldn't count him out. Um, he was declining despite whatever people want to tell you in 2017, 18, you know, 19, that area before Jordan Love, before he won MVP. A very ticked off Aaron Rodgers is a guy that you want on your team, and he is very clearly upset and he feels that people are disrespecting him. And so, I, I, I would not count out that guy coming in and lighting up the NFL. That's the positive side. I think the negative side for me is. My takeaway, again, although all these things contribute a little bit, is I genuinely think losing Devontae was a bigger hit than I had realized. Because I think the way Rodgers plays, I think there's a big conflict between Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's style. I don't think Rodgers likes to, um, and he's talked about this a little bit, he doesn't want to just turn his brain off and, and do this Matt LaFleur system, which is kind of like a Shanahan, kind of like what you guys are running right now, where it's it's very systematic. Um he likes to be a thinker. I want to go in there. I want to diagnose. I want all that. But at the end of the day, what did he do? He wanted to throw to the guy that he trusted, and that guy was Devontae Adams. And you take that away, and he wanted to find that guy. He wants to have that guy that I can just force feed the ball to, and I know you're going to be there. And when he was gone, it just didn't work. And he kept trying to force it to Lazard. He tried to force it to these guys, and it just it was. it's like you can't play that way anymore. You have to play this way, and it just it just wasn't really – working out that well. And that would be sort of the other side if I was a Jets fan that I'd be worried about is even though you have Lazard, you don't have that guy. Even if you have a system, it doesn't matter. Rodgers doesn't care about your stupid system. Rodgers is going to play how he wants to play. I don't care what you called. I'm going to come to the line. I'm going to diagnose it. I'm going to change the play to what I think makes sense. I'm going to tell the receivers, you run this route, you run that route, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to design whatever I want it to be. And then I expect you to be open. I'm going to force the ball to you and I expect you to catch it. So you need to have that guy and you need to have that sort of chemistry. And that stuff takes time. I mean, Devontae was in like year three, you know, Jordy going all the way back. You can't build that in a year. So that would be the thing that would make me nervous. Now, maybe you got, you know, Garrett is just lighting up the world and he's just getting wide open and those guys just build a connection and you're good to go. He can just be that guy that Rodgers can just lean on 24-7. But that would be sort of the drawback. If he doesn't have that guy that he can rely on, I would be a little bit worried that it's just going to collapse. So those are the conflicting things from my perspective looking into the Jets. On one hand, you can't count out, can't count out a really, really ticked-off Rodgers. On the other hand, he, he's, he's in a foreign environment. He doesn't have that guy he can lean on, and I think he needs that. And it'll be interesting to see where that all falls into place. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Ryan, where do you think the fan base is at with this right now? Because you and I were talking before we started recording, and I remember this. Brett Favre was showing up in the summertime to training camp and saying he wanted to come back after he had originally retired, and then that was a whole messy situation. Ted Thompson held his ground and said the team was moving on to Aaron Rodgers, and they ended up trading Brett Favre to the Jets. But a lot of Packer fans at the time were very loyal to Brett Favre. They were very upset, and they were booing Aaron Rodgers at training camp. 
as you told me, that's probably not going to happen with Jordan Love. I think part of it is for whatever we found out about Brett Favre later on, he had that aw shucks, polite country boy personality that a lot of people related to. And so he was a universally beloved figure in Green Bay, whereas maybe at this point, Rodgers has sort of a mixed crowd because he is very much a mercurial, enigmatic personality. So where is the fan base here? Do you think it's sort of split in terms of trying to hang on and not being willing to let go of Aaron Rodgers? Or do you think the vast majority of people are ready to move on? How does this compare to what went on with Favre and Rodgers back in 2008? Yeah, I think back then, yeah, I mean, and you're right about Brett Favre. I mean, he, he was a godlike figure. You know, I was, I was a kid growing up in the 90s watching him. There, there was nothing like Brett Favre. You know, I mean, he was... Uh, renowned across all fan bases, and I mean, even I, I I lived in Illinois, and even Bears fans, as much as they didn't really like him, it was it was a known thing that like he's he's yeah, I mean, I hate him, but he's great and all that stuff, and and um, so there there wasn't quite as much frustration. There was a little bit toward the end where you know the place started to dip, and um, the whole will he won't he thing kind of got a little bit old. And by the time it was ready to move on, I think you know I was in the camp of I think it's time. You had some that were basically saying, "Yeah, it's time," and then others, you know, "How dare you don't don't do this?" Um, but it was it was I think it was much more heated because nobody really really disliked him, and um, we hadn't been through this before, so there wasn't an example of last time we moved on and it worked out. It was just this is it. When he leaves, we're done, and and all that stuff. And so yeah, it was it was we didn't have social media, so it didn't feel as bad, but. As you brought up, when you go back and think about the fact that Rodgers was booed in training camp and stuff like that, and and just how really, really angry a lot of the fan base was, and I, I still remember the Jet Far fans and me not being on that side. Those <laughs> those guys made me so mad. Some of my friends, they're no, I'm following him over there, and I support him, and this team is stupid, and they wouldn't get the the Brett Favre Jets jerseys, and I man, that that really just ticked me off so much. But but I think with this. There, the the fan base is much more split, but it's it's also much more vitriolic because, you know, p- part of the fan base just hates Rodgers as a human being, so they want him gone because they don't like him as a human. They don't like him, uh, his his attitude, his the way he acts, his beliefs, all that stuff. And then on the other hand, you have a, a similar group that are fiercely loyal of Aaron Rodgers, and they also can't stand Brian Gutekunst, so they're very anti team establishment and and worshiping Aaron Rodgers and so there is a massive split there and it it gets to be very hostile but i think at the end of the day again as much as people are anti goot and and sort of pro rodgers i think there'll be a much more easy transition although there are certainly people that are hoping for jordan love to fail just so they can say i told you so it's not going to get to the point of of booing him and everything else and i think things will calm down eventually um unless jordan love obviously is a horrific quarterback in which case it's going to get a little ugly but yeah i would say it's a little bit easier of a transition just because there's a lot of people that are not just acknowledging that it's time to move on but really just want him out of here um and 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 again that's that's not really my perspective i'm just in the i'm ready to move on camp but um i think there's just more of that for more reasons let's just and and the contract too obviously as we talked about the contract is just a disaster so there's more people for for a variety of reasons that are more willing to move on than maybe there was with Brett Favre as far as the contract that's why i find this to be a very interesting situation because Ryan when you listen to packer fans and jets fans argue obviously they retreat 
to their tribes. Mm -hmm. And so you'll hear Jets fans say the Jets have the leverage. And I hate that word now, by the way. (laughs) I hope when this is all over, we never have to say it again. You'll hear Packers fans say, no, we have the leverage. And then you'll hear commentators that are split on it. And then you'll hear people that have done this for a living that are split on it. Because say Amy Trask, who is president of the Raiders, said that both teams have leverage. Both teams have strengths and weaknesses here. And so they really need to work together to get a deal done. You've heard Joe Banner, who is team president of the Eagles, say that he believes the Jets have all the leverage because theoretically they can pivot to a different quarterback. They can go and trade for somebody else. And even if it's not someone as good as Aaron Rodgers, they have a pivot point. Whereas with the Packers, if they don't trade Rodgers to the Jets, they really have no other moves. They have to get out of that contract and the Jets are the only ones that are willing to let them out. Andrew Brandt, on the other hand, has the opposite opinion. He believes that the Jets are the ones that are in a bind because if they don't get Rodgers, then they're screwed. And if the Packers don't get rid of Rodgers, they could find a way to get around it. I don't know that I agree with him on that. I think it would be a huge disaster for the Packers. I tend to be in the camp with Amy Trask. I think everybody involved needs a deal to happen. The Packers have to get rid of Rodgers and the Jets are the only ones that are willing to take him. The Jets really need Rodgers because there's not a lot of great options out there beyond going out and going after Lamar Jackson, which I think they should certainly consider maybe making a trade for Stafford or Tannehill or Cousins or someone like that, which I think they should consider as well. But Rodgers is clearly their number one choice and they feel like he could help lift them to another level. And then for Rodgers, if he wants to play, he could show up to Green Bay and collect his $60 million, but he's not going to play. So if he wants to play and if he wants to prove everybody wrong, the one place he could do that is with the Jets. So it feels like to me that everybody has to get a deal done. It's in their best interest, all of them, to get a deal done. As somebody on the Packers side of this fence and not on the Jets side, how do you see this? Do you agree with me that this is sort of a everybody needs to work together situation? Are you one of those dug-in Packer fans who thinks the Jets have no leverage and they have to do whatever the Packers say? Are you a negative Packers fan who thinks that the Packers are the ones bent over a barrel and they better just give them to the Jets for anything because otherwise they won't get anything? Are you somebody that is very spiteful towards Rodgers, which a lot of people are, where they'll say, whatever makes him unhappy is what I want to do? Where do you come down on all of this? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, obviously, I think anybody that says all the leverage or no leverage is is speaking in either hyperbole or they just have no idea what they're talking about because clearly both teams are in weak positions. Um, you know, Pat McAfee will will talk about that, for example, and be like, well, I don't think the Packers have any leverage because look at the bad situation they're in. It's like, well, that's a good point. Now do the Jets, right? That's the point. Both teams are in a tough position. And uh, yeah, a- Amy Trask did mention that. I-, I think Amy Trask was a little bit more kumbaya than than is what is realistic. You know, they, there still needs to be a negotiation. They still need to come to terms on on what the right value is. And clearly they haven't been able to bridge that gap. But I, I guess the best way I could try to think about it is who has the best hand to bluff, right? Uh, we, we were talking a little bit beforehand and, you know, there's always the going back and forth about, yeah, but if you say that, I'll say this. And the question is who's going to be, they're both in a stare down. Who's going to flinch first. And so I do fall on the side of the Packers having a little bit more of the strength, whether or not, you know, again, the, the, the big question is would Rogers come back and play for the Packers, which would be a disaster for the Packers. But my, my thought is, the biggest position of strength in terms of, and I'm just talking about bluffing here. Brian Gutekunst looks at the Jets organization 
and says, this is what I need, anything less, and it's not worth it to me, he can just retire. And you get, well, maybe he'll come back. But he's not going to. He's not coming back here. So if you don't want him, I'd rather have no compensation, and you guys can figure out. And again, I'm not bothered. I don't care. And again, the Jets can try to bluff, but I just don't know if it's as strong of a bluff, especially since, as far as I can tell, they haven't had any discussions with anybody else, which, again, I feel like is, is an area where they need to get better, you know, at least have some some fallback plan so you can at least pretend to bluff, you know, do something where it's like, well, if we don't do that, we're going to do this. Because right now it just sounds like the only plan is is Aaron Rodgers and we don't have, theoretically we have a plan B, but where's where's the news story? Where's the story that the Jets are having conversations with Lamar or any, which by the way, I thought about that. They can't do that because then Rodgers is pissed and he's going to back out. So you got to be careful with that too. So again, in terms of who actually has a strength is tough. But the, the, the real question is, who has the better hand to be able to bluff? And I think the Packers do, because even if they don't mean it, they can just say, I really don't care if he retires. We don't need the extra compensation. We have a quarterback. We're good. We're going to go out and do what we got to do. If we can pick up some extra picks and maybe a player or something, whatever it is that you know the compensation is great. Anything less than that, though, you guys have uh, the best of luck, and we'll, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that Gutenkunst actually believes that or that Joe Douglas – would buy that because there's no way you're going to let arguably, and this was something that came out of the McAfee show too, the best player in franchise history, just walk away from nothing. Now, again, he said, arguably people are getting mad about that. There's no question that it's an arguable point. You don't have to agree. You could think it's far. Right. You could think it's Reggie white. You could think it's Bart star, but there's no question that Rogers is in the discussion. To me, the question all comes down to, can they find some sort of meeting in the middle? And yeah. it really ends up being a situation where the Packers have to decide, do they want to get something in the 2023 draft? Because if they do, then the clock is ticking. If they don't, then they can hold out a little bit longer. But in the end, what is the end game here? What are they really going to walk away with? And if Gutenkunst wants to paint it as though he doesn't care if he gets nothing, I'm sure he could try painting that, but I don't think Douglas is going to buy it. But at the same time, would the Packers buy that the Jets would go after Lamar Jackson and give him a big offer sheet or that they would go in another direction in a trade? I don't know about that either. So mm. it all comes back to what we were saying. I think it's really a matter of two teams playing chicken. Yep. Everybody's bluffing and who's going to blink right. first. And really, unfortunately, as a Jets fan, what you have to be worried about is not so much Joe Douglas or Robert Saller or anybody like that. You're worried about Woody Johnson being the one who blinks. And so we'll see what ends up happening well, here. I tend to think that this is going to be resolved with some sort of compromise where maybe the Packers get a day two pick here in year one in 2023. And then in year two, if Rodgers plays, there's a conditional pick that depending on how well he plays or how far the Jets go, they would get a pick that could go from, say, a fourth to a third to a second or something like that. That's what I think is ultimately going to be the compromise. And I think they'll meet somewhere in the middle on the money. What do you think? Do you think that's probably how this is going to resolve itself in the end? Well, I mean, it's, it's tough to say because I don't even know where the negotiations are. Like, are they squabbling over like a, a, right. a third round pick or are they squabbling over a first? Or I mean, I, I think they're mm -hmm. going to come together somewhere, but mm -hmm. I, I don't even know where they're at. And, and it's, it's like I told you, honestly, again, it's, it's, there's, there's two different things. There's what I would do and what, where I think they're at right now. I wouldn't do anything for them. So it's like when, when Jets fans are saying that's ridiculous, look at his contract, he's not worth more than a third. I'm like, I'm like dude, he's not, he's not worth a seventh. <laughs> that contract is a disaster. <laughs> but that's not, that's not where we're at. And the question is, where are we? And the answer is, I have no idea. So 
wherever mm-hmm. they are, Gudikunz has made up in his mind this is the value, and for whatever reason, that's just kind of where they're stuck. I mean, and listen, if it's me and I'm Gudikunz, yeah, I would take whatever. But that's not, and that's the other thing you guys got to understand. I mean, again, you've got an owner that's going to get a little twitchy, right? He wants it done. I want this done. And he can push the levers. We don't have that. We got a guy that runs mm-hmm. a whole ship in Gutekunst, and that dude doesn't flinch. That's his whole thing. That's what it was with Devontae, apparently. He said, I want a first and a second. And the Raiders said, we're not doing that. That's too much. And he said, okay, fine, hung up the phone. And eventually they ended up just doing the deal because they're like, well, we're not going to not do it. We have to do this. Like they, they tried to negotiate. Could we give you a player? Could we do this? Could we do that? No, no, no. They met seven times. He didn't flinch once, and eventually they just did the deal. So that could be the other thing the Packers are also leaning on is we, we don't need to wait out your GM. We got to wait out your owner until he gets to the point where he just says, you know what, just do the deal because I'm not waiting anymore. Because, I, 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 again, as much as I don't like it, I was saying this back when the Rodgers thing was going on, dude, trade him. Because if he, if he leaves, we're in trouble. Da, da, da. The guy doesn't flinch. He never he just says, no, he's he's on our team. He's not going anywhere. Doesn't matter. We're not dealing with this. And I think that that's how he's going to play this. And that's why, again, it's kind of a useless conversation because I don't know where we are and what, what he's even asking for. But I tend to think what he's asking for is pretty close to what they're going to end up getting. Maybe that's a fourth. I have no idea. But maybe I'm just being biased. Just based on the two organizations and even what you're describing, we got a guy that says, I couldn't care less. This is what I want. This is what we get. And you guys got an owner that what he wants is Aaron Rodgers. And that's that's kind of what everybody knows, I think. Well, you brought up two very interesting points. The first is that Woody Johnson is the X factor right. here because Joe Douglas very much is exactly what you're describing with Brian Gutenkunst. Right. I mean, this is a guy that got two firsts and a third for Jamal Adams, a box safety. <laughs> this is a guy that got a two, a four, and a six for Sam Darnold. No. A guy who got a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon, a tight end who immediately entered the witness protection program. So (laughs) Joe Douglas is a guy that also does not flinch, who has done exceptionally well in trades. But those trades were all made when Woody Johnson was overseas as an ambassador to England and his brother Christopher was here. And so he wasn't involved and Joe Douglas had more reign to do what he wanted to do. The question, of course, is will Woody Johnson intervene? and push Joe Douglas to make a move that's not in the Jets' best interest, or at least I would perceive and many would perceive to not be in the Jets' best interest. We're going to find out. And the other point that you brought up, which is very interesting and gets glossed over a lot, is that nobody really knows where these negotiations are at this point. At the end of the day, we have no idea what they're haggling over. Are they haggling over money? Are they haggling over draft picks? If they're haggling over draft picks, who's offering what and who's countering with what? Are there players involved? Is there somebody Green Bay wants? Is there somebody whose contract they want to dump? We don't know any of these details. So that really is an interesting point that you brought up, that we just don't know enough about where these negotiations are. But I do think that what will ultimately happen is both sides will give a little because they know they need to. The difference, of course, with Devontae Adams is ultimately the Packers could have theoretically traded him somewhere else, or they could have kept him on that franchise tag. With Aaron Rodgers, there's no real option to keep him. So I think both sides will finally find a middle ground. The question is, what is that middle ground? Because we don't know where they're at right now. But I did want to ask you a guy that Aaron Rodgers is very comfortable with, very familiar with. And if he gets here, I'm sure he'd be very happy to see. And that is Alan Lazard. And you know, in the Pat McAfee appearance, he talked about Alan Lazard. He said there was no wish list. The Jets asked him about specific players. 
And he gave his feedback. And what he said about Lazard is that he's a great guy, great receiver, great in the locker room, great teammate. Everybody loves him. Fantastic player. Teams would be lucky to have him. The Jets would be lucky to have him and all of that. One thing that I think would help Aaron Rodgers coming in here, in addition to already knowing the offense because it's Nathaniel Hackett, is having Alan Lazard, his security blanket, because when he comes in, he doesn't have to learn the offense, and he's already got Alan Lazard here who he knows he has chemistry with. Tell me a little bit about the Alan Lazard experience in Green Bay, the chemistry he built with Aaron Rodgers, and even what Alan Lazard said, which is after he had been claimed off the Jaguars practice squad at one point, it looked like he probably wasn't going to make the team, but Aaron Rodgers really took a liking to him, pounded the table for him, said, let me have this kid, I'll turn him into something. And he did. And Alan Lazard, in a lot of ways, as he said, owes what he's achieved to this point to Aaron Rodgers sticking up for him. So tell me a little bit about what that was like between the two of them in Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, Lazard's always been a guy that's been appreciated in Green Bay. Um, you know, he, he's always been renowned for doing the dirty work. You know, he's a, he's a great, he's a really big physical guy, does a lot of the block, all kinds of stuff. But he also comes up clutch in, in some situations um despite his lack of speed he's always good for like one deep shot per game just a 50 50 trust ball from rogers most random thing in the world <laughs> but um no i mean he, he's, he is a good dude he always kind of kept his head down um and yeah the uh aaron Rodgers always liked him I and mean, rogers is always big on it, it's as if there's a a like for lack of a better term a trust circle um where you gotta you, you gotta earn your way in, and once you're in, you're one of the boys, and he's got your back, and he'll throw to you, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I I gotta be honest, if if I was a speaking on behalf of Jets fans, there's a part of me that says I really wish that we could just bring him in here and say these are the guys, and this is what you're gonna play with, and you need to just kind of suck it up and get over it. But that's just not how he operates, right? He's got his guys that he likes, and he's built time. He's put a lot of time and effort into them. They've got a real close bond, and they understand, you know, the hand signals, and he understands my offenses, and my quirks, and all these different things that I want. And so, at the end of the day, it probably is a good thing to have somebody like Lazard over there. Um, but again, on on the somewhat negative side, that's also true for guys like Randall Cobb that came to Green Bay. But at the end of the day, what do you have is is a pile of guys that Rogers likes and he trusts, and he likes their personalities and their friends. And according to him, they're good locker room guys. I don't know. I didn't necessarily love our locker room dynamic this past year. But on some level, you need talent. So, you know, it's it's like, again, that's that's that weird thing where all the attention should be on Garrett Wilson. That's, that's obvious. But for Rodgers, Lazard is the guy. That's just the way it's going to be. That's going to be the guy that I like. That's the guy that I trust. That's the guy I want to go to. So... Yeah, I mean it's 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 great to have him, and it'll be good to have him as, as sort of a a crutch and a, a kind of a way to help bridge that gap and talk to the other wide receivers and help bring them up to speed in terms of Rogers, the way he likes things, and I want you to do things this way and that way. And there was a big hubbub about hand signals, and he's got a million hand signals, and you got to learn all of his hand signals, and because he's constantly making changes, and that was a big problem for our rookies. He would make a change at the line, they'd run the wrong route, and the ball would go sailing. So. Um, it's good and it's bad. Lazard's a good dude. He does a lot of the grunt work. I think he's going to be a great fit for the system. Aaron Rodgers likes him. Um, I think the the more pessimistic side of me would look at it and say he's a little bit of a crutch, and it would be better if Rodgers could just fully embrace being a Jet, fully embrace the coaches, the scheme, 
the players and just kind of shut your mouth and do what you're told, you know, but that's not how he operates. He's going to go in and say, this is how I want it. That's how he gets it. And, you know, again, for your guys' sake, I do hope it works out. What else can you tell me about Alan Lazard personality-wise, what he's like? Because we've broken down his film and we've talked about his stats, but I want to hear more from the perspective of somebody who's really followed him in Green Bay about the type of person that the Jets are getting here with Alan Lazard. It sounds like, as you said, a really good dude, a hard worker, somebody that everybody in the locker room likes. Even from the early interactions we've seen in the press conferences and some of these social media videos, he seems to be kind of a fun nerd, if that makes any sense. I don't really know how else to explain him. Tell me a little bit more about what you saw from Alan Lazard during his time in Green Bay and exactly what the Jets are getting. Yeah, I mean, again, as far as personality, he was always, he's he's pretty quiet and soft-spoken. He didn't get a lot of podium time, so we didn't really get to know him more intimately as a human being. Um but again, I, I think he was always just very respected, uh, not just by the players, but by the fans and by the coaches. You know, I mean, I think, you know, if, if you have the respect of Aaron Rodgers, it's because you do things the right way. You prepare the right way. You train the right way. You study. Your study habits are right. So you, that's that's a good thing right there because, again, if, if he's got your sign of approval, you know you've got that kind of guy. And, and again, the coaches really respected him. They knew that he was going to be in the right place at the right time doing the right things. Uh, assignment sure. And again, getting in the 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 gritty grunt work and and blocking in the run game and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, again, personality wise, yeah, he seems like a good guy. I, I slightly turned off this past year just because he, I think he kind of knew he was on the way out. So he kind of there's a little bit of an attitude that we'd never seen from him before. But um, no, but no, he he really is a, a good guy, and he kind of keeps to himself. And there's not going to be any conflict with the locker room or anything like that. And uh, I think the only other thing that we learned, not that it matters because you don't need him to be, but the plan going into this past year was let's give him the opportunity to be that number one. He's earned that opportunity. And clearly he just didn't have that next gear. He is what he is. He's a number two-ish, number three kind of a guy. Um, But if that's what you need, and I think that is what you need, I think he's going to be a great fit for you. Great information from Ryan Schlipp, our friend who hosts the Packernet podcast. Thanks for coming back on the show, brother. Really appreciate it. Glad you could give us this insight onto Aaron Rodgers, the Packers fan base, what's going on in Green Bay right now, the thought process behind everything, and of course, the newest Jet acquisition at wide receiver, Alan Lazard. I hope we can do this again soon. Hopefully the two teams get a deal done, and so we can celebrate by doing a podcast, and then maybe the next time you're out our way, could take you for some quality New York pizza. Oh, Just hit me up and you know I'll take you for the good stuff. I don't settle for generic pizza, my friend. I only go for the top level stuff. So when you're out here, we'll go and get some. Meantime, tell everybody how they can listen to your podcast. I always like to say that you're like the Green Bay Packer version of me or I'm the New York Jets version of you. We both do these daily shows about these teams that we're psychotically passionate about. So talk a little bit about how people can find your show, what they'll hear when they listen to it, how they can find you on social media. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned the New York pizza because um, I've been kind of on a kick. I'm, I'm actually up to two podcasts a day, believe it or not. Uh, and one of, mine is, <laughs> one of mine is a call-in show. And uh, one of the guys that calls in regularly, we call him Jersey Mike. And so he's been coaching me up on pizza and everything else. He actually sent me... Uh, some frozen pizza dough from New York that I've been using to to try to make some pizzas <laughs> here at home. And obviously I, I wouldn't dare explain it to you because it's a disgrace, but I'm really enjoying doing it and trying to make pizza the right way. And um, no, I definitely would love to do that. 
if I'm ever out your way. But yeah, it's Packernet Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter if you want at pack underscore daddy. Um, if you want to kind of interact and see where I'm at, that's fine. I haven't been doing a ton of interacting with Jets fans, so it'd be good to kind of hear from you guys and see what you guys are up to. And if you want to tune into the podcast, or better yet, if you want to call into the show, ask a question, or um, give your opinion on things, you can do that. Phone number is 608-501-0718. Just call and leave a message. That is the call-in show for the show. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always a good time. Hopefully next time we can talk, maybe it'll be a uh, little breakdown of the Packers-Jets Super Bowl. One can only hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed, my One friend. And hopefully we could do this again on your show, on my show, a little crossover action. Hopefully we've got some news to celebrate soon that satisfies all sides on this. And like you said, helps propel both teams in the right direction. So make sure that you follow Ryan on Twitter. Check out the Packernet podcast and check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We talked a little bit about Alan Lazard. There's an all 22 breakdown that we have up there for you, courtesy of the Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant. Watch that video and the rest of the videos on our channel and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash play like jet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes along with help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. Before the latest and greatest New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com.